This is the PMP Industry Insider Podcast. You're hearing from Coal March and Triangle Pest Control's Donnie Shelton and PCO Bookkeepers, PCO M&A Specialist, and Turf Books Dan Gordon, as well as some of the biggest players in the pest control and lawn care industries. We're talking about what is changing in the industry and taking you straight to the front lines of what the future holds. If you're ready to grow your pest control or lawn care business, you're in the right place. Hello, everyone. Welcome out to another episode of the PMP Industry Insiders podcast, where we look at what's changing in the industry and we take you to the front lines to those that are driving those changes in the industry. That would be with the exception of today. Today, you get me. Uh, my name is Donnie Shelton and Mr. Dan Gordon. I'm the owner of Triangle Pest Control, as most of you know, as well as the CEO of Comarch, a digital marketing and sales services firm that specializes in home services for the pest and lawn industries. Dan, would you like to say hello? Hello, and uh, we're back with our two favorite guests and to, uh, to, to get rolling. So, uh, I love it. We'll, we'll talk about a Q1 wrap up, but uh, let's uh, let's jump right in. So uh, tell me what you're seeing for demand in uh, pest and lawn and, uh, you know, how do you measure it? Yeah. So, you know, Dan, it's been interesting. I thought, um, well, I don't know. You ever have like I've looked at our numbers, you know, for the industry as far as digital marketing and quite frankly, they look pretty good. Uh, they look really good so far out in 2021. Um, and so, but at the same time, I know that you used to own a pest control company as well. And you ever like have a really crappy year and you just think, oh man, the next year we're just going to kill it in terms of percents. <laughs> so last year was not a really crappy year, you know, but at the same time, you know, we are, we are now getting into the realm of where everyone just thought the world was ending, you know, this, this time last year in 2020. And as I go through the numbers, what you're going to see is just, we killed it in March. And, you know, in terms of, you know, one of the ways that we measure what's happening in the digital space is that we look at demand, right? Like Google search demand. And then we take that, you know, and Google, they publish, they don't publish like, you know, there was this many searches, they, they publish like this number, which if you dig into their, they don't like most things in Google, they don't, they never give you much context, right? They keep it like a black box. But so they give you this number and it represents, you know, it takes in several factors, how many searches were done, what's the popularity, those types of things. And then it doesn't really matter what that number is. All it really matters is, is how did it compare to last year? And when you look at, um, you know, demand for the pest and lawn industries, um, it was it was good year over year. You know, search volume when you combine the two uh, is up. You know, twelve percent uh, from from twenty twenty. And you know, I'll get into organic growth here in a moment. Um, but it's it's looking very very good so far. And I am a uh, I'm a huge fan of of what I'm seeing in terms of the numbers. So I think overall, um, and I th- you know I don't know. You know, obviously, Dan, you have customers in this space. Uh, we both do. Uh, I'm seeing it not only from, you know, this is this demand is being validated by what I see our customers doing. A lot of our customers are way up this year and are looking good so far. I mean, I, I think if you, you listen to analysts and you listen to the folks on the business networks, 
last year was you could have never seen that coming that, that, that the economy did well. I think it was all the government stimulus. Now you have something that, um, you know, uh, everybody's been cooped up and, and waiting to come out. And, uh, you know, we just sold our house. Uh, we, we moved into our new house and uh, we, we, you know, put it on market on Friday. On Monday, we had four offers over asking. Wow. And so yeah. I see that. It, for 2021 and maybe even a piece of 2022, in spite of tax increases, we'll get into that later. But I see the optimism is just, uh, you know, overwhelming. And I, I, I think that this is going to be a terrific year. Uh, we're already seeing it in our Q1 numbers from 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 clients. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, because when you take demand, um, one of the things that we'd like to do at Comarch is we, we look at, you know, kind of these global numbers is like, you know, what's happening with the customer database? And then we'll break it out based on a region, right? There's the southeast, there's the northeast, there's, you know, kind of the, the southwest. I'm not going to get into where our territories are, but but when you look at from a national average from, from all of our clients, the organic traffic tells the story. You know, in January 2021, our growth was up, you know, 19%. February of 20, uh, you know, February it was 13%. And here's the kicker. In March, it was 33%. I think, you know, at least in the Southeast, which is, as you would imagine, that's where most of the concentration of pest and lawn companies are. Um, we had a terrific March this year. And, and you know, what that ran into overall is a 22% average organic uh, traffic increase for, for all the clients. And so I think in general, there is definitely a lot more demand. And I think some of that may be the fact that, you know, March hit, everything shut down and everyone just freaked out and didn't know what was happening next. Whereas this year, like you said, there's a ton of money in the market. Um, there's a lot more stability. There's a lot more, um, I don't want to say security, but, uh, you know, a lot more clarity as to what's going to be happening next month. And so as a result, I think we're seeing it in our market. So it seems rosy. Uh, anything uh, negative to talk about? Because I know that oh. you're the king of positivity. So this will be. A different oh, yeah. Yeah. Positive affirmations. That's that's how I start my day every day. No. Um, you know, yeah and no. Um, you know, not everything is great, as you can imagine. Um, when there's a ton of money out in the marketplace, what happens to prices? <laughs> they go up and we're right. absolutely seeing that. And so, you know, when you look at um, kind of the overall average, you know, cost or uh, average, you know, cost per click, it is up significantly. Uh, average CPCs, you know, Q1 as compared, uh, you know, of 2021 versus Q1 2020 are up almost 25%. Now, the good part of that is, is that most impressions are up, you know, impressions are up 40%. So there's getting more exposure. Folks are having much more exposure online but they're paying a lot more for that, right? I mean, they're paying almost 25% more than they were last year. So if you, you know, for every dollar, now you're paying, you know, $1.25 in 2021 for the exact same um, exposure. And what that translates to is, you know, our overall cost per lead up 26% over last year, which is crazy. And what's here's the, the one that- what, What's the average cost per lead or can you not? Yeah, it's a hundred bucks. It's a hundred and one dollars and four cents, um, which is up quite a bit. And you know, when you look at um, the conversion rate, the conversion rate is essentially flat, right? Our conversion rate's right at ten percent. And so, you know, when you take that into account, okay, so impressions are up, cost per clicks are up, 
um, and your conversion rate is flat, that is going to drive spend and boy is it up. Right now, our spend is up almost 92%. Now you can't say that's all completely from, you know, Google monetizing its platform better and just competitive pressure, right? There's also the, the idea that, you know, more folks are seeing opportunity and so they're spending more online, right? They're spending more on paid ads, probably spending a little bit more in branding. Um, but, you know, I see this as like, yeah, it's getting way more competitive. And so while there's opportunities are out there and absolutely the, you know, this channel is growing and it's growing quite well, it's also costing quite a bit more to stay and be in the game. And so I think, you know, I can get into things that you can do and some strategies, you know, to, to still compete and not have to take this huge um, increase in spend. But in general, you know, what this is showing is, is that the competition versus and, you know, competition along with, with demand is really, it's really going to be hitting the pocketbook this year if you want to compete strong. So, so um, if I'm so closing, it is rosy. Yeah, but, if I'm closing at 50%, that's $200 a sale. My average quarterly is $500, so I'm at 40%. Are you still doing it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. No, no. I mean, you, you, you mean, again, I've, I've said this before on this podcast, but when you've got companies you know, acquiring at 2X, okay, so I can buy this customer for $200 or I can go out and spend $1,000. It still makes total sense to be on the totally. platform, maximizing it as much as you can. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, what uh, what do you recommend uh, uh, going into season? I mean, uh, Northeast is just start. We're getting the fourth the Forsythia's out right now. I'm hearing about some termites and whatnot. Um, yeah. I heard that the termites have been swarming down south uh, for a while already. Uh, yeah. what do you, you know, it's funny you say that. I was uh, I took a video and uh, we have a, a good client. Um, and, and anyway, I was in Charleston and I'm I'm with my family. We're going out to this. We actually are going to this plantation, doing this tour, or whatever. And I stop on this bench post and I see these termites just swarming like crazy. And of course, I took a video of that and said, hey, there's, uh, there's some money going on here. But no, I think, you know, right family, now. Family, they could care less. You are kind of. An <laughs> they're, like, they're like, dad, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm all talking, look, it's termites. You know, there's no no bend in the antenna. Anyway, um, you know, normal dad stuff, you know, to get into. This is how you identify. And they're like, yeah, whatever. But no, I, you know. Here's what I think, you know, we're coming out of Q1. There's a lot of demand. I think now's the time to get on the gas, right? In the past, I have been opposed to branding, but of course things change. And one of the things that's changing are these costs per clicks. You know, branding is a great way to maximize, you know, the money that you're spending digitally, both on the paid side and the, and the organic side. And so, you know, my recommendations right now is it's time to go, right? Start pumping your money in. Um, figure out these micro markets that you want to own. Make sure everything's tight in terms of your reviews. Everything is tight in terms of your local listings. Um, you know, tis the season, right? It is. It's one of those things where um, there's opportunity out there right now. We're seeing it not just in the southeast. We're seeing it everywhere. And so I think now is the time to go in and really start dialing in, you know, your customers and your sales because it's like most things, right? You know, the reality of it is, is that our cost per clicks are up, our cost per lead is up. I am anticipating a lot of these costs are going to come down. Uh, and the reason I expect that is because when demand goes up, right, 
there's a lot more volume out there for everyone to pick at. And so it's going to cost a lot less to get that volume. And so um, I would say, you know, getting into kind of Q2, you know, I would expect cost to come down. I absolutely will expect demand to go up. It does every year. And I think that's going to create a lot of opportunities. And so, you know, looking at branding, looking at some of these micro markets where you can own, say, neighborhoods and those types of things, and then just making sure your overall platform for your business is cleaned up, you know, across, you know, would it be Google local services, it'd be in the local pack, you know, all your listings off site, right off your website. I think those are areas that just make sure they're good to go, make sure everything's cleaned up, you know, add the money to it and get ready to go. So, so you're saying, so you're saying to choose a handful of towns or whatever for your Google local and really go at it hard. Is that, um, I would, yeah. You know, and the other thing too, um, that's not for everyone, right? There's some folks who have some deep pockets and they can get in there and mix it up on these really competitive markets. And, and, and they, you know, they'll win as a result of it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, when you look at the, you know, we always talk about the long tail, right? The, the vast majority or 50% of the searches typically are done with, within, you know, three to six major keywords. And if you got deep pockets and you can, you know, in your market, you can own those, <laughs> absolutely do that. I, I was kind of more for these folks who are in the major metropolitan areas where their cost per clicks are in that $50 range. That is really expensive uh, over the long term. And so, um, so yeah, I would say, you know, if you are competing in one of those markets, look at these little sub markets and own those. If you're in a smaller market, you know, and I'm thinking about some clients that we have in South Florida um, y y and you can own those terms, then absolutely go big there. So. So how do you uh, determine which uh, terms that you're bidding, what price? I mean, uh, obviously you're you're bidding different prices on different terms. What uh, what 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 determines that? How, how do you uh, yeah. figure? That out? Yeah, I always steer clients away from getting into specific keyword pricing, just because that stuff fluctuates and it's like you know it's like chasing the horizon. I am more of a fan of you have the infrastructure in place to that you know your cost per sale and and then what is your max cost per sale and then you stepping on a throttle until you meet that max cost per sale so you'll um, bid so you'll bid the same price for bed bugs raleigh as you will for termites raleigh uh, yeah it, it, we will again it, it really just depends on again what is your comfort level and cost per sale. And by the way, I run a different cost per sale on my bed bug and, um, and termite than I do on my recurring residential. I'm willing to pay a lot more for recurring residential because I know I'm going to get a lot more. I'm not quite willing to spend as much on say bed bug or termite. So, but the problem anyway. is you don't know whether you're bidding on a recurring or non-recurring. Somebody calls you for bees or ants. Are you saying yeah, they, potential? They are, no, you can you can create specific ads for specific pests and and control the bid based on those like in those ad groups, and we absolutely do that. Um, so you can dial it down a little bit for for those specific pests. But you're right. I mean, we've got folks who <laughs> they'll search for pests and what they really mean are bees, right, or something that's maybe not be unrelated, and you just can't. You just have to realize it all comes out in the wash, and so. Um, all right. So I know I want to spend some time. I want to flip over now and I want to talk about what you're seeing, Dan. I want, I mean, so, so from your perspective, obviously you guys with William and Blair, 
you've done what, uh, well, we've kind of both done this is where we've taken our, you know, I mean, I think it's pretty unique both to you and I, where we have so many clients across the U.S., we can actually draw a lot of um, actual data. Um, we can we can actually look at the industry objectively. They're not from surveys. And, and of course, you've done that with William and Blair in developing this pest index. And so do you want to just talk a little bit about what you guys saw in, in Q1 with the pest index? Yeah, so um, obviously we haven't finished Q1 yet. We, we get our data, uh, so I have to submit our data by like the 21st of the month after, and then they uh, create the index, uh, you know, statistically. But I do have uh, January and February, and February, um, you know, uh, we see an acceleration from January up 5.1%. Um, and, uh, however, you know, you've, you've got to put seasonality in that. So it's hard to really discern anything from our index in January and February, other than the market is healthy and it's where, you know, where it was last year, a little bit higher. Um, and, um, but, but we'll really know April. So that index will come out in May, obviously, uh, probably, uh, in a couple of weeks, you'll see the March numbers. What uh, is absolutely amazing about this index is that we do it monthly and then we sit on the earnings calls for the public companies, the Rollins, the Terminexes, the uh, Renekills and whatnot. And we see that our numbers are pretty spot on with theirs uh, on a quarterly basis. So, so that's pretty neat stuff. But we're seeing that the market is robust and healthy. And um, in spite of, um, you know, a lot of the the. Um, you know, the, the negativity toward politics and taxes and whatnot, which um, <laughs> I, I got enough of that last year. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I quit watching the uh, my wife calls it the angry news. I quit watching it. So uh, so uh, my, my, my my attitude has, has changed. But but part of what I do for a living is I have to follow this, uh, you know, this this tax stuff and, and, and regulations. So I can't totally uh, get out. So let's it. let's talk about that a little bit, because I mean, it, I will tell you. I you know, I think, and I am one of these people, by the way. I don't want to sound like I'm I'm completely oblivious to this, and I'm not I'm not concerned about it either. But but word on the street is that taxes are going up, and you know that that I don't think it's too far fetched to to believe that this is going to happen. And so, what what have you been hearing? What do you, what do you know? And what do you think? Well, so taxes probably are going up. If I were handicapping it, I would probably bet the house on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the, the, the problem is that we don't know what, right? Because you've got uh, two warring factions. You've got the left and the right, right? But right now the left is in control. And some of the um, uh, areas that they, um, you know, are saying, so one of the proposals that Biden has is if you earn $400,000 or less, your taxes aren't going to go up. And if you look at the proposal, there's actually quite a few credits in there and whatnot. Um, and so, uh, but if you're earning over $400,000, it will go up and, and it's, he's going to roll it back. What he wants to do is roll back the uh, highest personal rate from 37% to 39.6, which is 2.6%. That, that was prior to, uh, Trump. And, and so we say, okay, 2.6% I can deal with. But the other thing that he's doing or, or the proposal is, if you notice in your paycheck, you get Social Security taken out or FICA, right, at 6.2%. And if you earn more than $142,800, that 
FICA then drops down because you've reached the maximum, right? And that's the way it's always been. It's actually increased every year. When I got into accounting, it was probably half that, but uh, that's the silent creep that nobody talks about is the, the social security withholding. But one of the proposals on the table is to have a kick out at 142.8 and then pick up again at $400,000. So if you think about it and you're self-employed, now this is for earned income and I don't have a lot of details. So S-Corp distributions may not be earned income and subject to this, but 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 I don't know the answer yet. Uh, but, but basically, if you're self-employed, your taxes are gonna go up six to 10% in the highest bracket just because of the added uh, FICA. And that's a huge one. Um, the other thing that they're talking about is getting rid of capital gains for over a million dollars of income. Well, most of our people don't make over a million dollars of income, except for the year that you sell your business, right? Then you make right. lots of money. Yeah. Yeah. And that becomes ordinary. So now you're talking uh, going from 20% to 39.6%, essentially doubling it, which that's mm. a problem. Okay. And then um, there's a couple of other odds and ends. The um, uh, gift, uh, lifetime gift in, in a state, uh, you have an exemption. And historically- hey, real, real quick, Dan, I want to I pause to do real quick because I think this is a really, I'm sure that folks are probably thinking this. I know for me personally, and I'm going to put on my triangle hat here real quick. I personally have decided, okay, I'm not in the business. I, I'm not I'm not really looking to get rid of Triangle anytime soon. So I'm just going to spend the next few years growing the business, right? Mm -hmm. Not really taking too much income because I know if I take the income, you know, <laughs> this is what I'm looking at. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So you can uh, spend it on marketing, and this is kind of a self-serving thing from your perspective, but you can spend it on marketing, get a deduction, and then build the value the way, of your company. Not, okay, for the record, I was not lining you up to say that, but, but I, I am glad that you said it. But put the money into marketing, and now you get this deduction, and now you're building an asset for the future. And maybe right. at some point in the future, taxes get rolled back or whatever, but right. at least it's not going to get crushed now. But but the, um, the, the there's a couple of other items uh, in, in this gift and estate uh, for those thinking of uh, moving their uh, uh, companies over to their kids, right? So right now, you've got a lifetime exemption at about $11.5 million. And if you're married, it's double that, right? But... That was signed in um, and expires uh, at the end of 2025, whether Trump got in or not. That, that's when it was set to expire. And so that will be uh, rolled back significantly. OK. And um, uh, so so um, at, at one point several years ago, it was less than a million dollars. So that's a big one. But I'll tell you the, the, the biggest one that it's scary, very scary. Um, and this is one that's not talked about is if you've ever heard of uh, the, the, the phrase that there's um, the ultimate tax shelter is death. The reason that ultimate tax shelter is death is because you get a step up in basis. So what happens is you bought a, a share of IBM at $10. You held it for your whole life. Now it's worth $100. And when you die, you give it to your kids. Now, what is their basis in that? to calculate the gain. Right now, if you died, you get a step up from 10 to 100. So if they sell it for 110, there's only a $10 gain. However, if you don't get this step up, 
their basis becomes your basis, which is the 10, and now they have a $100 gain. That's huge, and they want to roll that back. So ultimately, death will not be the ultimate tax shelter, but that's that's uh, a pretty scary one, um, you know, uh, that, that, that's, that, that's absolutely in there. Um, so I have a question, another question. Let's say, so, so I'm in a position where I'm not necessarily looking to do some sort of event. Let's say there's a listener on the podcast here who is, right? I mean, as of right now, nothing has changed, right? Nothing has been signed into law. Um, any recommendations for those listeners? Like, hey, let's just say my timeline's in the next two years. Um, I mean, I don't want you to, you know, slam your hand down, sell, 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 right? No, but, <laughs> but I mean, but, what, what, should, what should they be thinking about, right? What should they be doing? Quite honestly, what, what is the, the tax planning that we always promote to folks? And, and usually in a, in a, where taxes are stable or they're dropping, you want to take all of the expenses that you can currently, right? So at the end of the year, what are you doing? You're, you're paying your ad agency, you're paying, you're prepaying all of this stuff, right? So that you can get these deductions, right? But and then and then you're pushing any income that you can out into the future. So what you're doing is you're lowering your taxes that way. Now, in a rising tax environment, you can do that. But the problem is you'll get more bang for your buck taking the expense in the year after the tax rates go up. So it's better to push those expenses out into 2022 and accelerate your income in 2021 where your rate is higher. Yes, you will pay mm-hmm. 21, but at the, the the rate will be cheaper than um, you know when when you're um, you know um, you know that that then then when taxes go up. So it, it's really important that you understand that that tax planning is kind of been uh, it's a 180 degree turn uh, from what we've been doing. If you believe taxes are going up, and I told you what my handicap percentage on that is. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So if I'm looking to, say, exit my business in the next three years, mm-hmm. what is your recommendation or what are your recommendations for these folks? It's it's really hard. Right. So if, if you're somebody who wants to stay around for five or 10 years, stay in, do your thing. Everything's great. The, the problem with right now is that you've got a perfect storm and, I'm, you know, obviously this is a little self-serving, but but I don't mean it to be. If you sell your company now, you're going to pay capital gains rates at the maximum 20 percent. Um, and there's no net investment income tax uh, surcharge on that. Hang on. Let, let me pause you there. And there's no reason to believe it will ever be better than that, especially anytime soon as far as capital gains. This is true, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, so, exactly. I just, I'm just making that point because it's really, a, it's a critical point, especially when you're looking at doing some sort of exit event. So keep going. The other point is that inflation is extremely low, and so are interest rates, right? But when you start pumping all this money into the economy, that may go up. As interest rates go up, the cost of capital goes up for purchasers, and therefore they can't afford to pay the valuations that they're paying now. So your in in theory, your valuations go down. Now, anybody who believed that in 2012 before the tax increase then, um, you know, the market made a fool of them, right? So I don't know. The, the one thing that you've got is you've got this coming out of people who are coming out of the pandemic and ready to roll and let's go. And, and does that energy outpace 
the tax increases and whatnot. Um, there's a lot of people who think that it will, you know. Well, the other thing I have to believe, too, is that there's a lot of companies sitting on a boatload of cash, right? And so that has a big factor to do, you know, with pricing as well. I, I look at the housing market, right? You just said at the very beginning of this, I mean, people are paying full price and going above and beyond valuations just to be competitive. And the reason they're able to do that is because they can afford more house, right? When the rates are three, four percent. Yeah, you, yeah, you're, you're they can get a lot more house. So, yeah. no. So I know we're running short on time here. And so I want to address this. Um, you know, I have to ask, this is pretty funny. Several listeners have told me um, that there is someone in the M&A space who has said he has a legal opinion from a law firm that, according to the opinion, suggests a strategy that would eliminate capital gains tax on ordinary tax due to the sale of a business. Um, and so basically, if I'm if I heard that properly, he's basically saying no taxes on a sale of a business. Now, I have to ask Dan. Am I missing something here? <laughs> How is you that know, possible? <laughs> quite honestly, uh, uh, I, I got several calls on it too, and it was more of we've got an opinion from a, a, a tax attorney who uh, basically said that this strategy would work, but I'm not sure what they're talking about. And here in America, we pay taxes other than leaving the country and relinquishing your U.S. citizenship. That's probably the only way you get out of paying taxes the year of sale. Now, there are <laughs> deferral taxes. You can definitely defer your capital gains. Right. Remember what we just said about deferring income in a rising tax environment. That may not be the, the, um, the smartest thing. And I always get a kick out of the bravado and sometimes misinformation spread by this guy. But, you know, I once had a plumber tell me that uh, he didn't prepare tax returns and I shouldn't fix toilets. That was after I botched a toilet. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I would well, give our, I, I, you know, I heard that and I thought, oh, my gosh, this you is know? like the person that says, you know, get abs in two weeks. You know what I'm saying? Like you could just, you know, forget the last 10 years of overeating and not doing anything. You know what? In two weeks, they're going to get you all squared away. So yeah, right. keep going. <laughs> so I'd give our friend, uh, uh, our friend the same advice. Stay in his lane, you know is he's not a tax guy or a CPA and he doesn't have one on his staff. My advice for him would be to stay in his own lane. We are CPAs. We understand this. And by the way, you can you know, hang your hat on a legal opinion and, and you can pay lawyers to pretty much opine on anything you want and give the opinion that you want. I'd hate to be in front of the IRS having not paid yes. taxes in an audit and them saying, okay, well, Here's the opinion. Okay, well, you're going to pay the taxes. You're going to pay the penalty. You're going to pay the interest. And if it's enough money, you may go to jail. So be careful about what uh, you uh, uh, hear. About. You know, I I just need to echo that. Yeah, I need to echo that. I have a buddy of mine who has a business in a different industry who had a partner. And somehow, some way, you know, it is what it is. The, the other partner was supposed to take care of the finances and this guy was kind of the creative guy. Well, the partner left, he bought him out. Two years later, the IRS showed up and said, oh, by the way, you've not paid any of your taxes. You owe us, uh, I think it was $150,000. And by the time they added the penalties, it was something ridiculous. I mean, it was almost double that. Guess wow. what they did? They seized his account, took all of his money. His, his mother had helped him buy a house with kind of a joint account. They seized that account, took that money, and basically told him, said, you need to start. I mean, it was scary. 
what they did. And so I, you know, to me, when it comes to, and I think this would be, I, I mean, it's almost like most of the rules are, are built for 1% of the population. This is just not one area I would screw around in. I don't mess around when it comes to taxes. I, I do what the law allows me, right? And I keep it. I absolutely do not. Anything that would say, yeah, no taxes, I would be very, very, even if you do have an opinion, right? right. What what does that even mean? <laughs> not mean a whole lot. If you're in front I mean, of it, yeah. Listen, exactly. if you're taking a, a position that's kind of a gray area, but, but I just don't see it. Uh, and again, there are deferral techniques. You can defer your capital gain. There's no question about that. The que- and, and that's a discussion for another day. But the question is, is that a smart move in this current environment? And I would tell you now. Yeah, for so. sure, for sure. Well, Dan, you know, we are out of time. I have enjoyed doing this wrap up. Uh, any parting thoughts here before we before we close out? Yeah, I I just wanted to, uh, there is one small topic, we don't have to talk about it because we are out of time, but take a look at at, uh, the, um, I believe it's the May issue of PMP Magazine. I just wrote an article about something called business email compromise scams. And the reason I wrote that article is because we've had several clients who have gotten targeted by this. And basically what it is, is it's somebody uh, hijacking an an email account of one of your key employees and telling you to wire them money or wire somebody money somewhere. And uh, we can talk about that uh, maybe next time, but uh, definitely reach out and read that article and be very, very careful of emails that you get that um, say to to wire money um, to, to, to folks. And if you get an email like that, Call the, the person who sent the email and say, hey, is this really you? Because it's, it's- I was going to say a lot of banks now, I, I, you know, I've done a couple of recent deals and I have to like they no longer will allow you to do a wire without physically talking to the person. You know, you cannot. And just because this has become so prevalent. Well, uh, you know, I would say my parting thought on this, at least for a Q1 wrap up, is kind of like what I said before. Um, we are looking really good coming out of Q1. Our numbers, you know, when I say our numbers, I'm talking about as an industry uh, are, are way up. Uh, it's looking strong. And I think now the time, now's the time when it's time to go out and start selling and taking advantage of the, of the weather and the opportunity. This is when we go out and, and we make our money. So with that, uh, if you enjoyed this podcast or you enjoyed this episode, please go and rate and review us. Uh, that's that's your way of throwing a little little money into the tip jar. Uh, Dan and I very much enjoy doing this. I think we learn a lot by doing it. Um, and of course, I love just giving Dan a hard time. So it's fun to come online and do that. And I'm sure <laughs> their feelings are mutual. <laughs> but our goal in starting this was to help people grow their businesses and most importantly, your business. And so uh, we always appreciate any kind of review, any kind of um, rating that you can give us um, on Apple or any other, whatever you're using to listen to us. And with that, We'll close this on that one. We'll see you all next time. Take care now. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye now.